Hey guys, this is me. Did you move today? A tu bouge aujourd'hui? J'attends que tu aujourd'hui. Et vous, tu m'as ora. Welcome to the Did You Move Today podcast. I'm your host Andrea, and I'm very excited to be here. In this episode, I have Dr. Niha Gothe um, as my guest, so I'm very excited to have her here. Dr. Gothe is a director of the Exercise Psychology Lab at the Department of Kinesiology and Community Health. Her specific research training and expertise is in conducting social cognitive theory-based exercise interventions to promote physical activity and assess cognitive aging. Her research agenda has focused on developing randomized control clinical trials, so RCTs, to promote physical activity engagement, including non-traditional modes such as yoga, with the goal of improving health and quality of life outcomes. So I'm very excited to have her here. So without further ado, let's just get started. So thank you very much for being here. I'm very excited to interview you. Um, So if you can tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Neha Gote. So I am currently a faculty at uh, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. My background is in psychology and kinesiology. Um, So my undergraduate degree and my master's training was in psychology and counseling. So I worked as a counselor for a couple of years and then I decided to switch gears a little bit and study exercise science. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring psychology with me as I was studying exercise science. So I ended up in this field um, which looks at the, the mindfulness and the effects of mental health um, that it can have with practicing exercise and sport and movement. So you have a, I know you have an MA. Is the MA yes. in psychology? Yes, nice. yes. So my degree was in counseling psychology. That was a two-year master's degree. And this was back in India. Mm-hmm. Um, and I practiced as a counselor in schools for a couple of years before moving on to a PhD. Nice. <laughs> Why did you decide to come to Urbana-Champaign for PhD? Um, so I used to play tennis uh, when mm-hmm. I was in India. And I was always into athletics and sport. And when I did my major in psychology and counseling, I still was playing at that time and I wanted to somehow bring exercise with psychology. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to find ways where I could pursue that as a career or as a degree. Mm-hmm. And uh, in India, unfortunately, kinesiology or exercise science is not a very well-developed field. Um, the closest thing is more more so physical therapy um, mm-hmm. so it's very medical clinical oriented rather than just looking at health and wellness and I was more interested in just looking at exercise science and studying the benefits of movement and I started to look abroad for programs that would allow me to do something like this um, so when I was browsing opportunities in Europe, in US, all over the world where I could find a university that would allow me to pursue this. Um, UIUC came up as one of the top schools for the program and I think even today if you look at the rankings for uh, kinesiology and exercise science programs we are amongst the top ranked uh, school for this degree. So I applied, I got through, and here I am. (laughs) Nice. And now you are a professor. Yeah. 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 So I I pursued my degree here uh, with Eddie McCauley, who was my mentor at the time. He's now retired and an emeritus faculty. And after my degree, I was offered a job at Wayne State University in Detroit, where I was a faculty for four years in their kinesiology, health, and sports studies department. And then um, when this opportunity came up, I thought it would be great to come back home. <laughs> nice. You always knew you wanted to do what you're doing right now? 
I think so. Um, I know that when I decided to pursue my psychology degree, I was always interested in the mind um, mm. and just mental health. Um, and because I was always passionate about sport, I knew I wanted to be in a field where I could bring those things together. Mm. Um, so I do feel like to some degree I'm lucky to have found a field that I really wanted to pursue and that really aligned well with my hobbies um, and with my interest in sport and exercise. So yeah, I think to some degree I knew always that I wanted to do something with mental health and with movement. Um, I know you, I've read uh, some of your work and I think it's super interesting. I already told yeah. you that. Um, <laughs> but it's not only qualitative research, but also quantitative research, which it like, that's why it captures a lot of my attention. What's your favorite research so far? Um, I think for me, all of the research that looks at this mind-body component for me is very exciting. Um, so again, like coming from India, we have a lot of these traditional movements uh, like yoga, which mm -hmm. are part of our educational system. So I, during our PE, physical education mm -hmm. in schools, we did yoga. Um, so we never had um, big gyms with all kinds of equipment to work out. And in public schools in India, it's usually just a big space. And a lot of the movement is using your own body for mm -hmm. exercise. So a lot of weight training, which is oftentimes more yoga-based weight training. And so I grew up doing those type of movements and exercises. And when I started to play sport and tennis, I saw that some of those techniques were helping me to like just taking a deep breath before mm -hmm. an important point. And I knew that those things were helping me to, to be a better athlete. And um, so that was very fascinating for me just from a practical standpoint. And again, I, I didn't know much about science back then, but I knew that what I was doing in schools and in PE was helping me as an athlete and to, to be a better player on field. And so to some degree, I knew that there is, there is definitely that connection, something about these practices helps you to be a better athlete, perhaps a better person, just have a better mindset. Mm -hmm. And so I was very fascinated by that mind-body connection and movement aspect. And so when I started to do research and when I applied for this PhD program, um, I was always interested in exploring not just how physical movement benefits the, benefits the health, but also how a combination of physical and mental movement can benefit the health. When you, I know you have undergraduates working um, mm -hmm. in your lab, and also you have uh, grad students working in your lab. Yes. So I have two questions. Like when you, when a graduate student asks you or tells you, "Hey, I'm interested in your work," or like, mm -hmm. "I really want to work with you," what kind of things do you look uh, to take on a grad student? Um, and then my second question, I guess I'm going to wait for my second question, so let's, let's, let's just leave it <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, one of the first things I look for is uh, whether we have some sort of a match in terms mm -hmm. of our research areas. So when students approach me, um, I want to make sure that they know the scope of my research and my expertise mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's a team. So you are going to get as much out of the program as much as I can offer you. And at the same time, I'm hoping that your expertise and your interests can help build the lab and mm -hmm. help uh, everybody else in, in the lab. And so it's kind of a give and take. And my key is to figure out that there is some overlap within 
our research interests. So I'm definitely interested in movement and mental health, so exercise psychology per se. And I ask students if that is something that they're interested in. Um, I definitely check in with them in terms of the populations that they're interested in studying. So a lot of my experience and expertise is mostly with adults and older adults. So if students are interested in pediatric populations, I do tell them that I don't have any background or experience working with children or working with child parent dyads. And so um, I make sure that there is a match. I think that is the first key element to mm -hmm. determine. And once there is a match, we just have a couple of meetings. If, if the students can visit campus, I try to encourage them to come visit campus so they can meet me, they can meet my current students, we can do a lab tour, we can do a campus tour, and really uh, make sure that there is a good match, a good fit. Um, it, sometimes it can be a challenge if you have students who may perhaps be international students um, and they cannot just come visit you for a day or two mm -hmm. if they are traveling from some other country. Um, so in those situations, I just try to do some video calls um, just to get to know the person behind the CV um, and also definitely encourage them to talk to my graduate students because they can really give the potential students a perspective of what is it like? What is a day in the lab like? Um, yeah. What kind of things can you expect to do? What kind of skills can you expect to learn? And so I think just making sure that there is a good match and the student has a clear idea or good realistic expectations of what they can get out of this program. Because it is a big commitment for any graduate mm -hmm. program, even if it's a master's degree or a PhD especially, it's a good four, five or maybe even six year commitment. And so the key is to make sure that you have a good personality and you have a match uh, in terms of research as well as uh, a working relationship. I have um, um, another question concerning one of your studies mm -hmm. um, that talks about white matter integrity in the yeah. fornix. Yeah. Um, and I know you guys saw an increase in fractional isotropy in mm -hmm. the in the fornix, right? Yes, that's what you said. So what mm -hmm. that means for the people that don't know is that the fraction isotropy is the one that measures uh, white matter integrity, right? Yes. Okay. So, yes. can you tell me more about that paper? Because I know you use dance as a, as yeah. a, in the method section, like you use dance as a intervention. Intervention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that was a study done here by my advisor. Actually, he was the primary investigator on that study. And it was a National Institute on Aging funded project. So we received funding from the National Institutes of Health to do that work. Um, it was a six month intervention. So we recruited healthy older adults um, who were inactive to begin with. So they were not meeting the CDC recommendations for mm -hmm. exercise, which are currently at 150 minutes a week of movement or aerobic exercise. And so we recruited individuals who were low active but healthy from this community and we put them into one of four different groups. Um, so one group did only aerobic walking, a second group did aerobic walking plus nutrition, so mm -hmm. they got a nutritional supplement. A third group did dancing, um, so it was aerobic exercise but it was different from just walking because when you're dancing you have other elements of dance mm -hmm. that come into play. And then we had a control group which was stretching and toning exercises. Mm -hmm. So they were doing nothing aerobic, it was completely anaerobic, just simple stretching and strengthening exercises. 
and we followed these people for six months. We offered these four different classes here on campus. So participants would come to campus and work out in groups in these designated uh, programs. Um, so before and after six months, we had these participants do brain scans so we could look at how their brains are changing or functioning in response to these four different types of exercises. And we found that um, in the dance group specifically, we saw some unique changes and unique functional changes. And that is where we saw um, the white matter integrity with the fornics that seemed to play a role and was increased in the dance group as compared to the other groups. Um, so fornix is kind of a, a centrally or medially located area in the brain. Um, fornix actually means arch in Latin. Um, so it looks like an arch, that brain structure looks like an arch, um, if you look at brain anatomy. And essentially it, is, it plays a role in information processing and uh, in memory. Um, specifically it's been associated with recall memory. So uh, things that you remember from a long time ago, past mm -hmm. events. Um, and we found that the dance groups seem to show improved connections and functioning of that, that region of the brain in comparison to the others. Um, so the white matter integrity for the fornix was more preserved in the dance group than it was in the other comparative groups. Yeah, I think that, yeah. that paper was very interesting. Yeah. And I, in recently, um, I saw that you're working on um, a yoga research. Well, you're actually working on yoga research right now. Yes, yes. But I, I read about how you saw similar effects in yoga, the similar effects that aerobic exercise has mm -hmm. in yoga, but it's still like, it's, it's, we still need more research on that from what I understand. Yes. Can you yes. talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so yoga and cognition research is relevantly, or is more nascent. It's, it's newer in comparison to the aerobic exercise research. And we reviewed the current evidence that is out there that has looked at yoga effects on the brain. Um, so studies that have done yoga interventions or have done comparisons between yoga practitioners versus a control group mm -hmm. and looking at differences in the brain health and brain functioning. So we found 11 different studies that have been done so far. And um, the regions that they identified and the functional uh, performance that was identified was very similar to aerobic exercise results. So we saw effects on hippocampus, which nice. is our memory center. We saw effects on amygdala, which is part of our limbic system in, involved with emotional regulation. Uh, we saw effects on the uh, prefrontal cortex, mm -hmm. which is uh, the part of the brain right behind your forehead, uh, which is again important for information processing, memory, executive functioning, decision making. So these higher order cognitive performance uh, and functioning. And so all these regions, uh, not surprisingly, have, are pretty much the same regions that we see with aerobic exercise uh, evidence. And so that is quite fascinating because yoga is not exactly like aerobic exercise. Um, if you do the traditional forms of yoga, it is probably more relaxing. It's not meant to get your heart rate going mm -hmm. uh, as compared to aerobic exercise, which is high intensity, you have your heart rate um, high in 50, 60, 70 percent of your maximum capacity. And so there seems to be similarities in how these two different forms of exercise are affecting the brain, uh, but possibly the mechanisms might be different. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to see that yoga could be an alternative for somebody who cannot engage in high intensity aerobic exercise 
and so they could still get similar health benefits or brain benefits mm-hmm. by practicing something like yoga or a mind body type of therapy yeah when i read that i was like yes this is awesome because <laughs> i've been taking i mean i've been reading a lot about um the positive effects of aerobic exercise mm-hmm. so i was like okay it's very hard to find research on yoga and research on like you know just other things that are not yeah. aerobic and um one time I was talking to one of my friends and I'm like, oh, I'm sure like yoga has some effects. And then when I saw the article, I'm like, yes, you saw, yeah. I thought that it was something. And like, so yeah. I'm very excited to see what happens after this. Yeah. I, I want to be very mindful of your time because I, I, I could even ask you like, what kind of, um, what kind of yoga do you do in the intervention? I know they mentioned Hatha yoga in yeah. the, in the, in the paper. Yeah. But but I also want to be mindful of your time because I just get very excited about this. <laughs> so psychology and neuroscience. Why psychology and neuroscience? I know you're a faculty at also at the neuro... You're affiliate with the neuroscience Yes, department. yes. So because I was trained in psychology, I've always been interested in the psychosocial aspects and, and mindfulness aspects and mental health aspects. Um, neuroscience more so because when I started doing my research at my PhD, Um, I looked at some of those cognitive outcomes and a lot of it was cognitive psychology. um, Mm -hmm. So looking at how brain functions and uh, with access to imaging here at the university at the Beckman Institute, I just got more and more interested in looking at the brain anatomy and Mm -hmm. brain functioning. So by no means am I a neuroscientist. I don't Mm -hmm. claim to be a neuroscientist, but I'm definitely fascinated by the neuropsychological aspects and the neuroscience behind movement. Mm And I do have collaborators on all my projects who are neuroscientists. Nice. What would you like to tell uh, to the students listening to you? Because you were once a student. Yeah. Uh, What would you, what would be your advice? Yeah, I think my advice for undergraduates especially would be to keep an open mind and get involved in some research. Um, There are so many opportunities. Uh, Of course, to to some degree, it depends on where you are at. And if you are at a research intensive university or a smaller community college or wherever you are, but try to connect and find opportunities to get involved in science. Um, It's really fascinating. Um, Mm. I remember my first research experiences and those are still things that I fondly remember because those are the ones that really built my love for science and my love for research. And I think um, just getting involved in the science and in, in the research process is a very meaningful experience. So, of course, graduate students do that day in and day out because most exercise science degrees or neuroscience degrees are research degrees. Uh, but especially for undergraduate students, uh, just kind of thinking outside the box and and not just limiting your educational experience to coursework. Mm. I think it would be great for students to branch out and do some research. And there is increasingly opportunities at most big institutes where you you tend to have an undergraduate research unit uh, on campus. So you can connect with faculty who are interested in working with undergraduate students. In my lab, we have anywhere between 15 to 20 undergraduate students every semester Mm -hmm. who help us with all different aspects of research. And they often tell me that these are, this, this experience for them is among the most meaningful experiences because they really get to see research in action. Um, and they don't see that in textbooks and mm-hmm. in their lectures. So definitely for students to just get involved in research and just understand the process. Nice. Uh, Niha, did you move today? I did. Um, so I had a couple of meetings around campus, so nice. I got some steps in. 
Um, I haven't done any yoga today, um, but uh, when I get up in the morning, I try to do some just quick five-minute breathing and mindfulness exercises. So I do that routinely right when I get out of bed in the morning. And then, yeah, I'm, I think I'm about at 5,000 steps already. Nice. Cool. <laughs> What's movement for you? Uh, movement is anything where I'm not sitting still. Um, so for me, movement can be just getting up, going to the water fountain to get a quick sip of water. Um, it could be doing some yoga or doing some structured exercise. Um, it could be walking to and fro from meetings. Um, it could also be doing walking meetings, which I do with my students. Oh, um, wow, so nice. when we have our weekly lab meetings, every once a while I say, okay, let's go out for a walk and we can walk and talk. And so movement is anything where you're just not sitting still um, and sedentary. Um, so, yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time. I think your work is fascinating. Thank um, you. And no, I'm just grateful to be here and to be able to talk to you. Yeah, thank you for chatting with me. <laughs> anything else that you would like to share with uh, everyone listening to you? Um, no, I mean, if they're interested in... Uh, some of my research we have our lab website that they can check out uh, we have some publications up there and also opportunities for students to get involved uh, if they're interested in pursuing an experience in our lab with some of our ongoing studies um, they can certainly reach out to me cool yeah. all right guys i hope you enjoyed this episode uh, and if you haven't moved i hope you move today you still have a couple of minutes <laughs> <laughs>